Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. These are coming from the TDIHC vault, so you'll also hear two hosts. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's January 4th. Topsy the Elephant died on this day in 1903, which some people remember as a cruel publicity stunt orchestrated by Thomas Edison. That is not exactly what happened, though, but all this does mean that animal cruelty is a big part of today's episode. Topsy was a circus elephant. She had been captured as a baby in Southeast Asia sometime roughly around 1875. She was sent to the United States and sold to the Fourpaw Circus. But even by the standards of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the way she was handled and trained was really cruel. She passed from trainer to trainer and circus to circus, and her training frequently involved being beaten and otherwise mistreated. So by 1902, after all these years of abuse, she had developed a reputation for being an aggressive animal. That year, Topsy killed a man named James Fielding Blunt, and this was reportedly after he had burned her with a cigar. Her owners, rather than taking any steps to try to mitigate what was happening, started marketing her as a man-killer, 
Afterwards, she was sent to Luna Park, which was a new amusement park on Coney Island. This wasn't just to be part of the entertainment there. It was also to work hauling materials that were being used in the park's construction. And as was the case leading up to this, her treatment there still involved a lot of beatings and other cruelty. By late 1902, Topsy's behavior had become unpredictable enough that her owners thought she was too much of a liability and that she needed to be put down. There are some reports that she had killed two other people in addition to Blunt. Initially, what they planned to do... I'm hesitant to call this euthanasia because all the methods that they were talking about were more violent than is typically used to euthanize animals today. Initially, they talked about, though, a hanging for Topsy. But the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or SPCA, raised some concerns that a hanging might take too long, it might not work, it might just be inhumane. And trying to hang such a large animal did seem like it would have a number of logistical issues So the SPCA helped park officials work out what they thought would be the most humane way to kill an elephant. And this was this combination of poisoning, strangulation, and electrocution. They believed that the electrocution would be a humane part of this because of a series of experiments that had been conducted at Edison Labs in the late 1800s. Ultimately, this was carried out before a crowd of more than a 1,000 people on January 4th, 1903. First, they fed Topsy vegetables that were laced with poison, and then they connected two of her feet to electrodes and electrocuted her. Afterward, a noose that had been looped around her neck beforehand was tightened in case she had not died in the electrocution. Edison's name was definitely all over this. Edison Manufacturing recorded the event and released the footage of it later that year, and like all of the hundreds of other films that they made, Edison himself was credited at the end. Electricians from Edison Electric Illuminating Company of Brooklyn, which was the local power company, were also the ones who arranged the electrocution itself, including those electrodes that were used in the process. But Edison himself was almost certainly not there. He might not have been personally involved in any way. These were all companies that had his name on them. But by this point, they were also so large that he wasn't overseeing every element of day-to-day operations. A lot of times, this is also described as something that happened during the War of the Currents. And so Edison was trying to prove that Westinghouse's alternating current model was dangerous. But the War of the Currents had really been over for years at this point. It was really the decision of Topsy's handlers, not Edison, to kill her. And it was also the decision of Topsy's handlers and the SPCA to use electrocution under the idea that it would be humane. This included reports afterward that her death had taken less than 10 seconds, and one SPCA official said, quote, they had never seen a more humane manner of causing death. So Topsy's execution was certainly the result of all those years of cruelty that she had endured because those years undoubtedly contributed to her unpredictable and aggressive behavior. So this wasn't something masterminded by Thomas Edison to try to take down Westinghouse. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for The Birth of a Man 
who made it a whole lot easier to scrape the hair off your face. There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie, but they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that proves history is always happening.
The day was January 4th, 1809. French educator Louis Braille, namesake of the Braille reading and writing system, was born. Braille was born in Couvray, France, a village near Paris. He was the youngest of four siblings, born to Simone René Braille and Monique Baron. When he was three years old, he injured his eye with a sharp tool while playing in his father's workshop. His eye soon became infected, and the infection spread to his other eye in what's believed to have been a case of sympathetic ophthalmia. Sympathetic ophthalmia occurs when the uveal tract in an uninjured eye becomes inflamed after trauma or surgery in the other eye. By the time he was five, he was completely blind. As a child, Braille was taught to read by feeling studs hammered into wood in the shape of letters. His parents sent him to the Royal Institute for Blind Youth in Paris when he was 10 years old. There, students were taught to read books that used embossed print letters. And to write, students had to memorize the shape of letters and try to recreate them on paper. This, of course, was a difficult task. Conditions at the school were subpar, but the environment and curriculum had their benefits for the students there. Braille was considered a smart and creative student, and he became a good cello player and organist. Around the same time, Charlotte Barbier, a retired artillery officer in Napoleon's army, created a system of writing using a raised dot alphabet. Barbier attempted to sell the system, called night writing, to the French army, so that soldiers could pass notes in the dark without striking a light. When the army proved uninterested in the idea, Barbier turned his attention to the Royal Institute for Blind Youth. Braille saw Barbier's demonstration and was intrigued by night writing, but he thought that it needed many improvements. By 1824, Braille had devised his own improved system. It was simpler than Barbier's system, and it was better adapted for blind people, as Barbier was sighted. Braille's method used a six-dot cell rather than a 12-dot system. In it, six dots were arranged in different patterns or cells that formed letters, numbers, and later musical notes. Other students at the Royal Institute picked up the system, but the school did not endorse it. Braille became a teacher at the Institute, and in 1829, he published the book Procedure for Writing Words, Music, and Plain Song in Dots. But it took a while for the Braille system to catch on. That was partly because Valentin Arouet, a sighted man who founded the Royal Institute, worked on a principle that blind people should not have a different alphabet than sighted people. And Pierre Armand Dufault, the director of the Institute beginning in 1840, restricted use of the Braille system in the school and had books and Braille writing equipment burned. Dufault eventually changed his tune, but the Braille system was not officially adopted in France until 1854, two years after Braille died. But during his lifetime, Braille worked on improving his reading and writing system. In 1837, he published a revised edition of the system. In this edition, the raised dash was eliminated, leaving just raised dots. Despite the system not being widely accepted, students learned Braille on their own, and Braille himself continued to teach history, geometry, and algebra at the school. As the Braille system spread throughout Europe, it met resistance from people who thought blind people didn't need to know how to read, from people who thought it was unnecessary because sighted people could not read it, and from those who opposed it for other reasons. But since then, the Braille system has been modified by Braille's successors and recognized as a universal language. 
I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Smart journalism, fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.